Welcome to the New Grounds Podcast. Today's episode hosted by Goodell and Psycho Goldfish. Thank you to Waterflame for the use of his song, Gabberfly. You're listening to the New Grounds Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm Goodell. Joining me in the hosting room is uh, Psycho Goldfish. Hello. We're joined by our special guest, Photon Storm. Thank you for being here. Yeah, no worries. Thanks, you guys. No worries. How funny here. As a way to start us off, why don't you tell us just a, a brief summary of uh, who you are, what you do. And what I do. Okay, fine. Uh, real name's Richard. I basically um, spend all my time at the moment working on Phaser, which is a HTML5 game framework. Um, and it's coming up to its seventh birthday on April 5th, so I've been doing it quite a while now. And that's that's really my main focus. So I kind of look after the development of the framework and look after the sort of the, the community aspect of it as well. So that's really where we'll be coming from today, I think. And previous to that, I was kind of like, we can we can cover this separately, but I was kind of also involved in like the, the Flash game scene as well, back before the uh, HTML5 one took over, really. Now, the big thing about HTML5, which is really cool, is uh, Richard is actually one of the pioneers when it comes to transitioning from making Flash to HTML5. That's he's been doing it so long that you know he's the OG. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it was weird because it was kind of everything was flash wasn't it i mean and, and rightly so it was the the perfect technology for the time really uh, you know newgrounds thrived on it. everyone thrived on it in terms of web gaming and indie development um but then you know along comes the kind of the steve jobs love letter and all of a sudden the writing was on the wall and i just kind of thought oh, actually no no it's, it's time to look you know google are really stepping up what they're doing in the browser space apple at the time even though they've kind of gone a bit ie now at the time they were really innovating and i was just like yeah let, let's take a longer look at this because i mean my original you know, like professional history from, you know, way back in the 90s was building websites originally. So I kind of deviated from that to enter the realm of Flash. And when I saw things moving back to the browser again, I was just like, oh, yeah, let, let's let's jump on this one. <laughs> Start in HTML, get to Flash, back to HTML. It's the <laughs> yeah. <of> <laughs> uh, so t- tell us a little bit about your history of Newgrounds, because you were a Newgrounds user quite a while back. Um, you know, one of your most popular games, also one of my favorite, Catastrophe. But you got a pretty good library going back to what, like 2008, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. It was, I, I guess at the time it was, it, it was like the portal, wasn't it? I mean, it's simple as that, really. It was the, that and I guess Congregate probably. It was, they, they were the, the two biggies. And it was just, it was just a breeding ground for innovation. It was just exciting to be part of. Um, and so, you know, obviously I could see all these other guys making games that I really enjoyed the look of and playing. And I thought, oh yeah, I'll have a bit of that, please. So I was building flash games professionally anyway as part of my work so obviously but obviously they were all kind of like client-based and commercial-based so the although it was interesting work it wasn't what drove me as a gamer um so i would got to you know I, I you know the out of hours typical stuff isn't it you know you kind of you do your your day job games during the daytime and then you do the stuff that you're really passionate about in the evening and that's exactly what i did and my portfolio is kind of a pretty much a showcase of that really this is why you see you know game boy inspired stuff and snes inspired stuff because that was the the era that i fell in love with as a growing gamer and this year i wanted to recreate and flash walk us through um kind of what inspired your your development of phaser um I assume when you were still working in Flash, you kind of worked with like Flixel and libraries like that. Was that an inspiration moving forward with you? I would say inspiration is an understatement. It was, there were kind of, there were two different strands or reasons for doing it, right? So the the first one is that when you adopt a technology that early, 
it's a blank slate. There was there was nothing. There was no other game frameworks to use. Not nothing like we've got today. Um, right. No, you know, it's really really early days. And and you know, basically, I mean, the the canvas tag itself had literally only just been launched. I mean, it was even prior to that. It wasn't even like mainstream yet. So so it, because it was so early, there was nothing to do. So I was just like, right, well, this is where it's going to go. What am I going to? How am I going to deal with this? And so my response was at the time I've been creating a lot of my personal games using Flixer, which. Um, for those of your listeners that haven't got a clue what I'm talking about, it's like a, a, <laughs> <laughs> a flash game library um, created by Adam Saltzman back in the day, which was, you know, really popular for those kind of looking for the more retro style game. Um, and so I, I I took it and, and I adopted it and I developed it. And I basically, so I literally went through and I thought, yeah, we'll, we'll have that bit and that bit and that bit and, and ended up kind of pretty much porting the entire thing over the space of about a week um, into JavaScript because obviously it's the, the language. That actually, I think it was originally, it might have even been TypeScript, the very, very first version when they were still in beta before they even, before they even like had a proper full release of their compiler. I think I did the original version in TypeScript. And, and it grew from there. So that, I mean, the, the, the reasoning for doing it was because there was nothing else. I, I had no choice. And I, you know, when you, you're in that situation, I think you kind of, you tend to go for what you're comfortable with um, and what you already know. And what I already knew was was Flash and the game library surrounding it. So it was natural to take them and port them across to, you know, this new land. Aside from uh, inspirations, I, I'm curious, what, what was the thought process where you were kind of like, I'm the one that should do this? You know what I mean? What I feel like in a lot of instances, <laughs> if, if I were in a similar position, I'd probably take the lazy route and be like, I'll wait for somebody else to make the technology that will you know allow me to do these things why uh what what gave you that drive to be the one to to want to do it i don't know i'm not entirely sure it was that egotistical i think it was just one of i needed something and it wasn't there <laughs> yeah <laughs> right it's, right it's, it's fundamental as that um but also i think professionally at the time I, I was at a point where you know i'd been at the, the company i was working at then for, for, for a few years and I, I got to a really good position but i thought look it's probably time for a change it, you know it's time to kind of maybe try and get rid of the commute that was involved and try and do something on my own so I kind of knew that I wanted to to leave and to to, to work for myself um but in order to do that you, you kind of I, I guess to do that then would have been quite difficult because obviously you know flash development studios were really well established so to break out as an indie would have been quite hard but no one was doing HMF I mean literally no one um so it was really easy to kind of like scoop up some clients and so I thought fine I'm, I'm gonna need these tools to build games for them and myself so let's just do them at the same time and I would say it really really did it was the like you know the the launching pad for allowing me to do it for myself and to work for myself, which I've done since then. So now I never actually got to use the first version of Phasers. Like, what what was that like compared to like how refined it's become? I I can only imagine that what the the prototype was like. <laughs> <laughs> it's remarkably similar in some ways. Um, I I, I mean, it, it's, it's absolutely evolved, you know, dramatically since then. But but I would say that it, a lot of the core concepts that it had, even way back in the you know the 0.5 release, remain. Uh, some of them really do still remain today. So you know, for better or worse, I guess. But it it, it was. Effect effectively, it still offered the same things. It offered an easy way to, you know, get sprites on screen, get them moving around, get a camera moving around, get things bouncing off each other. Um, you know, being able to click on things. All the the they're just core fundamentals of any framework, really. So it had a lot of that in there, and and it it must have had enough. I mean, it, it needed enough for me to be able to build games for clients. So it had the core in there, but then other people started using it, and that was the really weird things. That was the thing that I just wasn't expecting. I, I stuck it up on GitHub. I don't even know why. I what propelled me. I just thought, well, yeah, I might as well get it up there. I think. 
think I just used it as a, a free form of source control and it never even occurred to me that someone would download it, but they did. And and then, you know, thousands of them did and tens of thousands of them did and it kind of grew <laughs> from there, really. And, and now it's like your full-time job. <laughs> Yes, it, very much so. It has been for a, a few years now. So how did that come about? Like the transition from client work to, you know what, I've got a, I've got a project here that people really want, people like, people are using, and you know, this is what I'm doing now. Like, how did that transition happen? Okay, so it was probably, it was a couple of years ago now, actually. And they, um, some friends were talking to me about the fact that I, I knew I was I, I was kind of spending, I was basically, the way it was kind of working was kind of like a, a roller coaster almost. So I was, you know, doing like a, a large client project and that would bring in some money. And then I would be able to kind of like coast for a couple of months on phaser and then back into client. And it kind of rolled like that. So so the, the releases were coming, but quite spaced out because obviously they were being, you know, interjected with the client stuff. But then it got to the point where I was like, then I, I really, really need to do this full time. There's, you know, there are a lot of people using this now. There are other companies relying on what I've created and how can I kind of turn this to make it something that I can do full time? So a friend of mine pointed me towards the uh, Mozilla grant. They basically have a grant that they, well, I'm not sure if they still run it, but they used to basically be able to support open source projects. You can apply for funding and they would look at your application and if they deemed it suitable they would give you that money. And it was kind of like milestone related. So you kind of agreed, this is what I'm going to do for the money and they paid you. Um, and that really was the catalyst that made me think, yeah, okay, with this investment, I can absolutely do this full time now. And I was doing that. And at the same time, I then thought, okay, right, well, you know, there are a lot of people actually making their living from Phaser now in terms of, you know, using it to build games for their own clients. And maybe, maybe some of them would, you know, be willing to, you know, throw a few dollars my way via Patreon or something. So I set that up as well. And then I was all of a sudden, I was like, actually, yeah, th th that's, that's enough. That's basically, I've done it. I've, I've made enough each month to live and, you know, keep my kids fed. And I can just work on this full time. And it, it's basically remained like that for a few years now. That's awesome, man. So yeah. <laughs> do you, I was curious about what, uh, I mean, what is a, a day in the life of working on Phaser for you look like? Do you have a separate space that you go to to do your work? Or do you do everything from home? Or just kind of what's what's your workflow look like? Sure, yeah. So um, a couple of years ago, I live in um, I live in the UK. Obviously, you can probably tell by my accent. Um, and before the zombie apocalypse, it was basically, it was it was really nice and tiny little village here. Um, and so office space is really, really cheap here. I don't live in like in a big city. I live in a really small rural area. Um, so I was able to look at this you know look at an office that was available you know probably you know like 10 minute walk from my house and think yeah that's fine I, I can afford to rent that um so i did and so basically i transported all my stuff here and I, i'm sat here at the moment and i can basically i can go to work every day so i can literally go to work so i can walk into the office and work and focus on it and then you know go home and spend time with the family in the evening so it's a and, and you know and when they all go to bed obviously the laptop usually comes back out again but it's it's still <laughs> you know <laughs> just like anyone else really um with a passion project that kind of takes over their uh, entire brain space that, that's kind of what happens but so yeah so I, I do get to do that in terms of a working day that's uh it, it varies dramatically it, it depends on what's happened the day before so if i'm literally mid feature or mid build on something then i will carry it on and i will literally just sit and code for as long as i can until my brain just starts seeping out um but then <laughs> equally alongside that i've also got uh, discord and slack running and and the the people that support me on patreon are able to book like time with me so they can book like some you know 15 minute half an hour slots with me so and i would during which i give them one-to-one -one support so quite a few people do that so that kind of like is nice it's a nice little like breathing space throughout the week because i 
I know that I'll have these little sort of support sessions that were just, it's good to focus on someone else's problem when you're wrapped up in your own, really. Um, right. And then obviously, <laughs> there's the other side of, uh, um, you know, putting articles up on the, the phaser site and working on the newsletter, which I did for quite a few years, and which is due to come back shortly. So so there, there are a lot of things. It's And also, you've got the, the, the open source side of it. So you've got pull requests and issues to resolve. And wow, I mean, the, that is quite frankly that's a full-time job for any large repository these days um you know dealing with all of the the github side of it is, is quite significant so combine all of those things together and yeah you, you suddenly start wishing you could clone yourself <laughs> kind of the catch-22 with open source though isn't it you have uh, the community that does a lot of work for you and it's free work but then you've got to manage it all <laughs> yes yes and, and a very vet like 99 percent of the work they do for you generates work for you <laughs> so because obviously right. they, they they've done something which is great but you can't just oh yeah merge 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 i mean yeah you we'll, we'll just take the code <laughs> no worry there's nothing bad in here <laughs> yeah what's the worst that could happen it's so yeah right. you have to look at it and, and make sure that have they documented it does it does it make sense is it going to break something that i'm actually working on right now as well and all that kind of stuff so i mean it evolves over time there are some guys now that submit pull requests and i'll just know straight off the bat yeah yeah this is i mean i still check it but i know that's going to be good um you know and there are a couple of developers that do that quite often i'm i'm not just like i'm very thankful to them um but but anything else that comes in and issues that are open the issues can range from being oh yeah actually you have found a genuine bug to you know this is really something you probably should have asked on the forum um so but you still have to read it and respond to it so so yeah it definitely takes its toll when you're you're pretty active in the community too i mean i used the uh, uh you know the phaser website a whole bunch while i was working on my projects for the for the game jam that happened recently and i noticed in in a lot of the questions that were asked on the forums you were very often the first person there to be like hey you know here's here's some thoughts on this or here's how you could get this to work so it's it's clear that uh that you put a lot of time into the the actual community as well you need to don't you you, you, you can't right. not i don't think um i mean i i, I, well, I guess you can you, you i could have happily have just released it onto github and left it and you know dealt with a few pull requests now again and that was it but that doesn't then translate to doing it full time to do it full time it's about dealing with the community and it's about dealing with your product so you can't do one or the other that one needs the other <laughs> so you, you, literally i mean phaser is nothing without its community and so it's you know you have to spend time on it i mean so admittedly sometimes it does take a bit too much time that so it makes you know perhaps features take longer to come out than they should but at the same time you know the, the community need to feel looked after and and it's not always easy to be there for them all the time so you just kind of do as much as you can really but there's also equally a great community around it so if i'm not there other people lots of other people do step up and help um which is always nice to see on the uh, on the note of the community are there any um throughout you know phasers lifespan thus far are there any uh big big highlight projects for your things that really stood out along the way that the community was doing yeah absolutely um thinking back a you remember when i, I probably oh, i i'm rubbish with dates so you'll have to give me on this one but i probably think it was like three years ago when microsoft started doing the hour of well the, the whole hour of code project was run kind of it was around sort of like you know full time in the year and the whole concept was to basically uh teach kids and students and people in sort of like educational places how to code and they would you know get the time dedicated to doing it and i remember at the time microsoft produced the there was a whole series of um minecraft hour to code 
um, thing. So you basically sit there and you kind of like move this little sort of like 2D Steve character around, basically using her like scratch style blocks and you could package it together and you could kind of, it, it would teach you to code via Minecraft, um, via the, you know, the Arrow Code website. And it was just literally all done in phaser. And it was just kind of like, bloody hell. And, and the guys I was, you know, the guys that built it were just kind of, you know, you know, eight and a half million kids used this yesterday. And I was like, what? <laughs> and it's just like little things like that happen. And it's just like, wow, yeah, that's that's quite significant. And and there are lots of those. And, and if I kind of scroll back through the, you know, the list of featured games or projects on the on the phaser site over the last few years, I see lots of things where I think, wow, well, that was a that's that's really quite significant. I mean, even today I was chatting to a guy that's kind of now using it to build his online uh, he's basically a math teacher in a school that's now shut down and he's building it using it to build games that his students can play to teach them math concepts and it's just like you know it might not be the scale of our code but it's sort of significant right that's awesome yeah yeah definitely um on that note uh, do you ever find like you know when people are working like when i used phaser 2 originally you know it wasn't completely fully featured at the time and i found myself either i didn't know how to do something or maybe it wasn't in there so i kind of hack around it did you, did you ever find that people talk about some of these hacks they do and you end up like damn i gotta put that in there does that happen very often <laughs> um yeah, I would say the way, yes, especially in terms of, I would kind of like often see a tutorial that's been published or a blog post or something saying like, oh, this is how I did this. And I'm just like, oh, actually, you know, this is this was obviously a sticking point for you. So let's add it as a proper feature. I, I would say there are quite, a, there's, a, there's a lot of phase of three that's a result of that, actually. Me seeing, I would say it's usually more a result of having seen uh, a question, so like a question on the forum or a question Discord. And, and they, they, they're clearly stuck on something that shouldn't be as difficult as it was being made to be or what just wasn't possible and i would look at it and think why isn't it possible that's actually fundamentally quite straightforward and, and implement it and I've, I've literally done that kind of like almost immediately for some people and they're just like bloody hell you did that straight away and i was like well yeah it was simple but i didn't think of it because it never occurred to me but it occurred to you so you've just kind of like you know made this grow a bit which is you know it's it's a a great feeling but i guess there's the flip side of that in the you know phaser itself kind of grew as a result of that and probably in you know in, in terms of scope and size <laughs> turned into a monster with too many tentacles <laughs> yes. yeah very much so so you're currently uh dipping your toes in with phaser four um what's what's the um major change in mindset and design that you're going with this one like my understanding is you're going to be doing quite a few things different this time yeah, very much so so originally like i said you, you go right back to the beginning um, um, I was literally back to like, you know, version zero. I was using TypeScript before TypeScript was even a thing, really. And it was it was complicated and it was difficult and the compiler kept crashing and I hated it. So I, I stopped using because it, it was in beta and it was fair enough to Microsoft. So but then I moved to JavaScript um, and I carried on using that for years. And still, you know, phase of three obviously is just like purely JavaScript. But the JavaScript ecosystem has evolved dramatically. And, you know, literally in the last couple of years, it's, it's gone from, you know, literally just being the same JavaScript we've had for decades to being something quite substantially different and much more powerful. And the way br browsers and, you know, virtual machines handle JavaScript now is phenomenally different than it's ever been before. Um, you know, it used to be kind of like, you'd have to do so such weird, strange little performance hacks that are just rendered irrelevant now by the way in which things are handled. And equally, then you've got kind of like the evolution of um, WebGL and I mean, you've got WebGL too, but I kind of, I'm going to skip it because it's not supported by Apple. And then you've got like what's coming up with WebGPU. And 
Plus, add on to that all of the evolution in terms of browser APIs and like screen orientation and gamepad and all that. And they're, they're constantly, constantly coming. Then you have to kind of think, okay, right, it's it's time to just embrace all of that. So that the whole point of Phase Four is basically to just no, let's just write this. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm writing it in TypeScript, but it's basically it's effectively like ESX really. So I'm I'm writing it in a modern JavaScript dialect, and you will code in a modern JavaScript dialect. I think that's that's the most important bit because I you could say that. Phase of two and three was quite quite jQuery in its style, and that you you know you'd stick a script tag in your HTML and then you'd just start coding against it, which that's just not how stuff's built anymore. That's that's it's, it's times have changed; they've moved on, and it's only natural that the the framework should move on with it and and you know use do it the way that developers are actually building stuff these days. Are there some examples for how Phaser four will notably differ from from prior versions? Will be because I'm. Basically, I'm getting ready to, I'm ramping up for a release of uh, Phaser 4 Nano by the end of next week. So you'll be able to see exactly what that entails in terms of what the code looks like and how you how you differentiate between the way things were done with the uh, previous versions. I, I think, to be honest, because of the way tooling itself has evolved as well. So now we've all, you know, we've got VS Code and Code Insight and lots of things that we just never had before, that it will make life a lot easier for developers, even though it will look very different. Um but I, I, this is just kind of like the first stage of it. The, the whole point is that is that basically you'll be able to pick and choose the bits of Phaser that you want to use, and you know you, it would work pro- with proper modules. The the way that I mean, Phaser three is all module driven underneath it, but most people still consume it as a giant, you know, not mammothly walking around package, which is unfortunate because it then means that they got quite large file sizes for their games and deployment sizes. So the whole point of four was to okay, right, no strip it back it is going to be purely module based and you will suck in the modules that you need and there will be a few bits of glue to stick it together but fundamentally it'd be as tiny as possible and so that that was really what i was aiming for with that version just to make it make it modern because the browser sh- scene is shifting constantly it never stops shifting it's i remember giving a talk kind of like about four years ago where i said that you know whatever you knew about browsers and what they did six months ago forget it it's already irrelevant it's what they can do <laughs> now um and and look at look to canary look to what's coming down the google track and see what's coming in six months time you know it's constantly constantly evolving and and don't rest on your laurels and i think you know falls a, a movement in terms of to embrace that really yeah definitely and we can all agree though no matter how good things are getting how much browsers evolve um it's just terrible having to build for safari we can agree on this right <laughs> Oh, it is the IE9 of the web now, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, I wish Safari would just die in a fire and I would be so much happier. <laughs> it's intriguing because Apple were, oh my God, they were they were literally the they trailblazers. They really were. Yeah, they, 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 were, they, they were, were the ones that were yeah. like, you got to go open web, you got to follow yeah. standards. And, yeah, I mean, they, you know, got them to thank for hardware acceleration. Um, and yeah, and now we've got them to thank for, oh, Thing, UI scrolling into the front of your game and, and things not shit. Oh god, it's a mess. But you know, it, it's <laughs> yeah, it's I, I don't know what who knows what's gonna happen there. They they are still fully in, you can see them fully behind web GPU there. So my my hope is that actually that really they see that as being the future and that's the why they're backing it and they've completely skipped over WebGL two. So I, I really think that focus on that and we'll see what that space is like in, you know, six months, twelve months time. Well, I mean you were you were the one that saw the writing on the wall with uh, Flash going to HTML five. So yep. we'll uh, we'll assume you're seeing the writing on the wall now and let's all just skip WebGL two. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, it's. I think it is. Fundamentally, it is. You can't seriously use it for a, a proper commercial, you know, like a you know client level release these days. You just can't because you just then knock out 
you know, too many browsers and all iPhone devices. So um, yeah, you, you have to kind of think, okay, right, let's let's focus. And and to be fair, it's it wasn't. There is a lot it can do beyond WebGL one, but not a huge amount. It's it's still fine for uh, WebGL one is still perfectly capable. Um, so, but really, yeah, the, the future's WebGP. So let's see what it can bring. I was uh, kind of interested about what you were saying before with um, bloat, as far as people using Phaser three as just one you know massive package that uh, kind of slows things down by having a lot of things in it that are that are unnecessary. But what's interesting about that to me, or having you saying that, is uh, is that the way that I was introduced to Phaser actually is uh, Psycho Goldfish, in fact, posted on January 24th of 2020, getting started with Phaser. It's a news post on Newgrounds um, because the game jam was coming up. And uh, one of the reasons that was listed for why he prefers Phaser over other frameworks is that it, it lacks the bloat that things like uh, Unity, for example, has. And that, that was my experience too. Even because I went into it not really knowing anything about Phaser and I, I just used the... I, exactly what you were saying just the the big <laughs> yes. full package and not not slimming anything down and even with that i noticed huge huge increases in performance from if i were to have done the same thing with with unity so it's interesting to me to hear you uh hear you say that that's a problem when it seems like that's one of the things that Phaser <laughs> does best it's the I smallest think... option but it's not small enough <laughs> <laughs> right fundamentally yeah I, I think you've got to look at it my concept of what something bloated looks like is i think vastly different to you know probably the unity developers so for example i'm look and now you've got to remember that when you're targeting like purely the browser as in the desktop browser then you know yeah okay fine it, it's it's not ridiculously huge it's probably smaller than you know the music that plays on your title page quite frankly but but when you're then you've got to look at how the web itself is diversified the platform itself has evolved dramatically so we're not long we're not targeting just desktop browsers anymore obviously i mean obviously we've been targeting mobile for a while but you've also got things like um you know twitch stream overlays which are basically purely javascript driven um you've got kind of like messenger based games so instant games and um wechat and so you've got lots and lots of new little places you've also got feature phone so kai ios which is a really really limited feature phone but you know with millions and millions of users so so i think the more of these little avenues that are opening up and they're all important because developers these days can't stick their eggs in one basket they have to kind of start pulling in from all of these different streams of potential revenue really that actually size becomes really important so it's i was just like i've been focused on it really really focused on it with phase of four and the, i mean the nano release if you bundle in every single module there is i mean it it zips down to like under 8k so it's proper proper tiny and that's a full webgl multi-batched renderer so it's you know not even just skimping out and just being purely canvas or something that's a proper renderer so i think it's really important actually that size is fundamentally important nowadays probably more than ever which is weird because connections are getting faster but it's because all these other little devices that are using or potentially could consume your game are now existing which you know didn't four or five years ago right yeah, and it makes sense like you mentioned you know people use it for so many different projects like if you're just doing a browser game it's not a big deal if your library is a little on the chunky side but if you're using it like we used to use flash for like banners in your page and there's like 14 yes. 15 of them you know yeah i could see yeah. streamlining that could be very important you, you could be providing the, the backbone for the next generation of like advertising <laughs> so, yeah you're not wrong i mean playable ads are huge um and a lot of the you know even when you're playing like a, an app on your phone for example a lot of the you know really lovely 
ads that we see before the game starts, they're usually nearly always, they're always kind of like HTML5 packaged ads. Um, you know, that they're, they're not natively built at all. So so yeah, to, to get in, to be able to get into that banner space easily is actually really important for a lot of developers. Not all of them, granted, but a, a big enough section that actually they shouldn't be ignored. Right. Yeah, definitely wise decision. So uh, I did want to talk a little bit more about the phaser game jam that happened on newgrounds in february uh sort of three questions and i will open these up to both of you because josh you might you might know some of the behind the scenes stuff too i'm not really sure how involved you were how did the phaser game jam come about for newgrounds uh were you happy with the turnout and is it possible that we'll see another in the future me to ask well, that first or someone else yeah go ahead go ahead <laughs> <laughs> um it was, oh, actually, you can probably remember this better than me, but when was it? We originally talked about a jam. Oh, it was ages ago, wasn't it? Yeah, it was at least three years ago, I think. Maybe more. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it, it was surprisingly we, we... long. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So the, the idea... I, I, don't think, being... I don't think you had started... Yeah, you hadn't quite started Phaser 3 the first time, or you were just starting it. It was still, like, early beta, early alpha, something like that. Yeah, very much so. We, I think, I mean, I think I started Phaser 3, like, four times eventually after all the mishaps. But yeah, you're right. It had a, I was moving into it, and, and then that was ready but then the, you were working on the Newgrounds site and that was evolving a bit as well and it just kind of I don't know I guess the stars just basically aligned didn't they more recently should we say yeah just we 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 both wanted to do it but Richard originally wanted to wait till Phaser 3 was ready Phaser 3 got ready and I was swamped working on the uh, mobile port of Newgrounds and such and it just took time but you know we finally got our ducks in a row and I was like you know we should talk about doing this again and Richard's like yeah I'd be interested but I don't know if anybody really wants to do it I'm like, oh we're doing it now and, <laughs> So we got Tom involved, and Tom's like, yeah, we got to do that. <laughs> so here we are. But I would love to see it be an annual thing, honestly. It was really yeah, fun. I, I, I was, yeah. Sorry, carry on. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I, I'd like to see it be an annual thing, too, because, uh, because so the jam was the first time that I'd used Phaser, and then I found myself afterward being like, I love this, I, I want to do more of this, but lacking that sort of, uh, I, I guess, time constraint, for one thing, was a lot of motivation for me, and now I've got, like, five projects that i've started and and need that like extra push to to get me to finish them and so i think i, I you know i'd love to see see more jams yeah I've, I've got about four games that are i've got about four games i started in various iterations of phaser just sitting on hard drives that i'll probably never finish uh they're, they're good for focusing you i think the other part of that was uh were you were you happy with how the jam turned out you said that you didn't think that there would be anybody interested uh and clearly that was not the case <laughs> i honestly had no idea i really didn't i it's it's one of those things that's really hard to gauge i mean i've seen kind of like new grounds run like uh construct game jams and stuff like you know, set quite a few times now, and it always made me think, oh yeah, you, you get a lot of entries because it's nice and quick and easy for them to make a game. But making a phaser game is a bit of an investment, isn't it? It's, it requires a bit more skill, basically, um, and time. And so it was, <laughs> it, it was, in, it was interesting. Um, but yeah, the games. Oh god, yeah, I was, I was amazed by. It. I mean, I literally played every single one of them and left reviews for all of them because if you can be bothered to spend your time making one, then at least I can do is tell you what I thought of it. And they, uh, yeah, they were, they were great. Um, some of the ones that came out were just brilliant, and I love the way that they were a real mixture of kind of like yeah this is kind of you know quite classic quite traditional and this is you know this is just the kind of stuff you only get on new grounds basically yeah yeah there was a there was a very wide spread of what we got everything from point and click games 
to some kind of artistic experimental stuff i mean that's what i love about yeah. game jams and that's i would love to see more like yes phaser is a little more difficult to get into but in my opinion if you're the type of person who is going to use phaser you've probably got some sort of background in programming you've got some idea of what you're doing whereas with construct you know people are just jumping in and dragging and dropping stuff and like oh yeah it's easy to use but then they don't have that uh, technical skill to pull it all together and make something refined where with phaser if you're working in phaser you've probably already got the skills to refine things and so i think if we see uh that game jam pop up again it's just going to continue and you're going to see more innovations like that it's going to be awesome yeah I, I guess when it comes to that it's more about the time isn't it you've got you've got to you need to invest a bit more time because you can't drag it and snap it together but at the same time you got you know a lot of people are busy these days aren't they and have other, other commitments and other drains on their time so it's all about kind of oh am i going to get this done and i, I imagine there are probably quite a few entries or potential entries that didn't make it because they just ran out of time but I, I think that's kind of the appeal and the the downside of jams isn't it make them open-ended and you probably get no entries and give them a nice good time constraint and people think oh god get this finished this weekend now yeah to catch 22 i, I always found yeah. the weekend ones were probably a little short but you know, a month is maybe yeah. a little long you know two weeks is probably the sweet spot for me personally but uh i, I love constraints though because i find innovation happens when you have constraints like when you have too many options you freeze you there's too many decisions to make you know where you're constrained you're like okay i can work within this and this and this and and suddenly the wheels get turning and that's when you make your best art absolutely and i think that's a kind of that's fundamentally the the reason for phases existence almost in a way i mean it was literally constrained by what the browser offered i mean today that's you know exploded in terms of features but back at the time it was just like this is actually this is all we can do you know we've got a canvas tag we can draw an image to it and maybe a filler rectangle and that was it and it was just kind of like wow okay what can we do with that and it was it's a it's a really fun it's a fun challenge for any developer to have i think to make something in a confined space whether it's kind of like a you know a mental space or a technological space do you think in future instances if we get more phaser jams there'll be uh additional constraints added on because this one if i'm recalling correctly didn't have uh, a theme or anything to it? It was just like make a game with phaser. Do you think uh, a themed jam would be a good idea? I don't know. I guess it depends when uh, the next one is. I mean, obviously, because it's been, you know, it's really recent that we've had one. So it's probably looking at least a year out until the next one. So by which time maybe that was actually long enough for, for the, the theme to just be the same again. I, it's hard to say. I mean, or maybe it's the kind, of, the kind of thing that you just ask the community and say, we're thinking they're doing this again. What do you what do you fancy? Do you fancy theming it, or do you fancy to being open ended? It's it's, it's hard to say. Uh, one thing that's intriguing though that I was really really pleased about was the well I I'm going to say the change in the Newgrounds community because you mentioned at the beginning that I kind of like joined years ago and and I I did I joined a very long time ago and oh, apologies to <laughs> Tom here but the place was like really quite toxic back there I mean you would be just <laughs> blown away for the slightest kind of mishap or shoddy looking <laughs> game but <laughs> but it's, it's changed beyond belief now I mean the the, the community there's like friendly and helpful and I was just like wow <laughs> this place has kind of evolved with it I guess maybe it's a, a sign of like growing up on in terms of the user base as well as everything else but it was it was lovely to see i think it's actually the opposite it's our user base uh went younger again and this, it's just this new generation of people are much nicer than my generation was we, we were just <laughs> awful people. Yeah, just complete complete dicks yeah <laughs> uh, so you basically got into this whole life that you're in now pretty much out of your love of video games. What are some of your biggest uh, inspirations just growing up with games? The games that I enjoyed. Um, I'm, 
I'm basically, oh, I, I'm old enough to have grown up with kind of like, you know, 8-bit era, basically. So old computers that, um, you know, now go for a fortune on eBay, basically. So that that's kind of really where I, where I grew up. So I grew up um, with looking at a very predominantly UK-focused machines like Spectrums and Commodores. And back then, you could pick up a magazine and it would have a load of code in it. And you would you would look at it and think, oh, yeah, I'll type this in and you know, see what happens. And you would make stuff happen. And it was just kind of like, bloody hell, this is, this is just something different this is something really unique something you you know never seen before and then you mix that in with the beginning of like you know the the serious arcade era so you've got like really early konami games and capcom games and you're just like yeah this this is just this is my life i can just see my life here in this little screen and i'm just going to follow it for the rest of my days um so yeah I, I absolutely grew up around that era and i think i've carried that with me in pretty much everything i've done i mean i love i love the 8-bit stuff i love the 60-bit era and i love but i love modern games as well i mean i've got like a ridiculous amount of playtime on Battlefield 5. So it's just like, you know, it's, it's, it's just a mixture. Um, but equally, at the same time, I was happily playing a game on the PS4 the other day, which was kind of, oh, I can't remember the name of it. It was basically, it was just like a little jetpack game. And it was just, it was just a proper tiny, nice little indie outing. And I was just like, yeah, this is a nice retro homage. And so I was just like, yeah, mi- mix it up. It's, you don't need to stay cutting edge and I don't need to stay in retro land. It's just like, there's so much stuff being released. I just like, you know, mixing between all of them really. But yeah, my, my heart is always with the 8-bit era. Right, right. Sounds like you got a similar background to me too. I grew up with like the Commodore VIC-20, the 64, stuff like that. So it was a mix of, um, you know, the commercial stuff like the NES and the Atari, but you know, you would, I'm sure you were, you were totally legal like me and bought all <laughs> your, your disc games and didn't, you know, trade them with your friends and copy them at all. That, that would be wrong. <laughs> I, I absolutely bought them all from the other kids in the playground, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. But I think it, it was different, wasn't it? Because you got the, the 8-bit consoles where piracy was actually quite difficult, if not impossible at the time. So you really did focus. I guess really at the time, they were the kind of the AAA, weren't they? They, they Especially when you get into sort of like the, the SNES era with like Street Fighter and stuff. Those were the, the games that you really kind of saved up for or wanted for your birthday or something and then you've also got all the stuff that you're cracking out yourself by coding away on the um your Atari or your Amiga or something and that's where the, the real innovation um and the creativity spilled out and it's just a really nice juxtaposition between the two all right so you gotta you gotta explain one of these things i'll, I'll give an example um I, I was probably like 11 12 when i started programming games and one of my very first games was this Batman fighting game and basically it was Batman and you hit the space bar to punch the Joker that's all the game was 100% ASCII <laughs> art did you do stuff like that like what was what was like a really early young Richard game oh god that was a there was one called Octopod and you basically it was an it was an animation of an octopus uh, it only had like five legs but it was still an octopus and it wiggled away on the <laughs> And it would, appear at a ran- <laughs> it would appear at a random position on the screen and you had to move your mouse over it and shoot it. And if you shot it, you got a coin. <laughs> that was it. That was literally it. Um, and it basically got faster and faster and had this really terrible music looping in the background. And I, I, showed, I remember showing it to my son, who's like 14 the other day, and he was just like, what the hell is this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> come on, you sh- shoot the octopus. So he shot it and then the legs fly off. And he was just like, yeah, this is lame. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know it's lame. But, <laughs> but it's funny though, because when you, when you look at a lot of, like even modern people's my first game that's what it is it's something going around the screen and you click it with your mouse so i mean you know things haven't changed too much since our day when you really think about it <laughs> no no they have <laughs> and it's it's good because it, you've still created it haven't you you still like pulled it out of your brain and got it on the screen and it works and you just and that's that is what 
you get hooked on. It's not necessarily the fact you got a five-legged octopus, it's the fact that you created it, and, the, and it kind of evolves them from there, doesn't it? Yeah, and even when, even when they're lame, like back then when you show your friends, for some reason your friends think you're a god. You made that? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, the, the, the bar might be a bit higher these days. your octopus? <laughs> <laughs> These days, just like, well, I could do that in 3D in Unity. That's just trash, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, is there anything you want to say about the future of Phaser? Anything going forward, or, or in general, any any future plans that you'd like to uh, make the world aware of? Uh, assuming we're not in the end days. Um, yeah, I think the oh, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> the way everything is going. No, I, I would just say that it's. I, I will basically keep on working on it as, as long as I possibly can, absolutely. And uh, I will get the Phaser 4 release out and I'll sit on it and work on it. And I'll kind of once, actually, once I've released uh, the Phaser 4 nano version, I'll go back and, because there's a whole bunch of like pull requests and great features that I want to release in Phaser 3. So I'll package a new version of that and then I'll switch back again. And it, it will keep kind of cycling like this probably for the rest of the year, I would have thought. Um, so so my plan really is to to focus on dedicating as much time as possible to pushing it forwards in terms of, you know, adding new features into the code base, getting it more stable, getting it more tested, more people using it, but also keeping sure on, you know, keeping on top of phase three and making sure that that, that keeps getting um, evolved as well, because it's just as important because a lot of people rely on it, a lot of people use it um, and there's no way it's going to be abandoned. So it's going to be a juggling act for, you know, a good few months, well, you know, probably the rest of the year, realistically. Um, but in terms of what I want to, I think I've, I've covered most of it. I want to look at everything that browsers are doing. I, I really do. I want to make sure that any new APIs that make sense, that are, you know, make sense to the gaming space are, are jumped upon and used and, and exposed for people um, to make take advantage of. And I want to absolutely keep on top of WebGPU and see what happens there. Um, and I, But I also want to fundamentally keep it as focused and as, you know, if you want to make a tiny, tiny, tiny little 7K version of Phaser, that's absolutely fine. That should be completely possible. And you should be able to do your games like that. So it, you know, slips into a, you know, a banner ad that everyone loves so much. But the fact that you can do that is the important bit. And that's, that's what will always differentiate game frameworks that are built using web technology versus game frameworks uh, like, you know, like Unity Tiny for example the, the the browser for them is just a vessel it's not where their heart really is right so uh, my last i think my last question for you is for people who want to get into phaser or are interested in it who you know listen to this and they're like oh i want to check this out uh what advice do you have for those people where should they go what should they do okay sure so the first thing i would say that uh, definitely look at the phaser website so look at go through first of all look at the sort of games that i feature on there because if you've got kind of like a dream game bubbling around in your head then i want to make sure that if you're going to use phaser it's, it's actually capable of making that game yeah so yeah, i think that's really important I, I see people come in that are just kind of like oh well hang on a minute phaser can't do 3d well no because it's a 2d game framework so and that might sound obvious but actually it's really important so check play some of the games play some of the future games on the site if they align with what the sort of thing that you want to create then move on so there are tutorials in there there are there i look at the phaser site we're constantly we we kind of like it went for a while without any new posts but we've been you know the, the news team has been great and we've been posting new content up so every tuesday there's a brand new tutorial posted onto the site um and there are there are there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them which is kind of a 
a blessing and a, a problem because it makes it a bit harder to know where to jump in. But what, what I'm trying to say is that if you kind of pick one and look at it and think, like, oh, actually, yeah, that, that was that was fine. I can follow this through. I can understand the code I'm reading. I can dive into this. Then grab it, grab it from GitHub, pull it down. There are hundreds and h- literally like 800 examples available in the examples repository. So grab that down as well. Look at the code. Don't be scared of the code. Look at the phaser code. Don't be scared of the phaser source code. If you're stuck thinking, oh, what the hell does this function do? Look at it because it's probably, <laughs> you'll probably be able to read it and think, oh, that's what it does. Um, so, and and also Discord, absolutely. And, and forums as well. So you got the phaser forum um, and there are, there are other kind of little pockets of communities around the web as well. But predominantly the, the phaser forum and the phaser Discord channel, the, the biggest ones. So, and they're the ones you get a response quickest. And we have a beginner's channel on there, which I would urge anyone to go in if, if they're, if they're a beginner, both in terms of phaser or in terms of you know, developing full, in JavaScript full stop. So identify in there what it is you need to help with. Because a lot of people come in there and don't don't appreciate how to do something in JavaScript, never mind in phaser. So we can definitely help on both fronts. So yeah, I, I would say definitely do that. So check it's suitable for you. And if it is suitable for you, then, you know, dive in and we will help point you in the right direction. All right, cool. The other thing he didn't mention is he also does a uh, regular magazine with all the cool stuff going on with Phaser. It's it's really worth subscribing to that as well. Yeah, so Phaser World, it's been kind of on hiatus for a while because I kind of got stuck in some uh, another project, but it's coming back um, very, very soon. So yeah, definitely subscribe. It's completely free. It's just basically a, a newsletter that's published. And there are, oh, there's probably like 150 or back issues you can go through if you want to have a read about what's going on. Um, you can also check out the Patreon where you can see my dev vlogs they're all public you don't have to to pay to read them and you can see how i'm working on phaser four and then what i've got you know going through my brain at the, the time i write them yeah it's all definitely worth checking out um definitely check out phaser definitely go through the tutorials learning one of my favorite things about it like richard mentioned is if you get stuck look at the source code it's actually readable it's documented it's <laughs> like it's nice so many so many things i've used don't have that and phaser that's why it's one of my favorites thank you very much <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. We hope you had a, a nice time. Yeah, no, thank you very much for inviting me. It was, it was good to chat about the yeah the things I deal with every day. It's great. <laughs> and uh, thank you to everybody who listened in on the uh, the Discord server, listened to the live episode. We appreciate you all. And thank you to everybody who's listening on Newgrounds as well. And uh, most, we'll most see you all. Wait, most of you. And, uh, and we'll see you all <laughs> next time. Peace. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Thank you for listening to the Newgrounds podcast. This show is recorded live on our Discord server. Join us at bit.ly slash ngpdiscord. For the latest news, follow us on Twitter at the ng podcast. Long live Newgrounds.